Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 101. Me and Tom catching up, talking about stuff. Um, and uh, the most important thing out of all of that stuff is uh, the upcoming book coming from the Swift Kick side of things. Uh, first year student of first year success, which you may have heard of us uh, uh, promoting a little bit on this podcast, just uh, different messages on the uh, some of the past episodes this season. Uh, so we go into a little more in depth into the production of that book and a plan to promote that book. And uh, I appreciate Tom for also being very genuine and authentic and vulnerable in uh, discussing some of the hardships behind uh, creating that book and creating it and getting it out uh, when we thought we originally would uh, get it out. So uh, listen for more details on that and um, just some great advice about accomplishing tasks and projects and uh, things uh, specifically associated with books and um, I know the writers and bloggers out there will be interested in all that and yeah enjoy this episode it's a great one uh, episode number 101 with me and Tom hello Tom hello how's it going it's happening what up Dustin good to see you yeah I feel it, I don't know why I just thought about this because I'm I have my hat on um I'm like <laughs> Every time we talk, it's like a casual day for me because I'll usually like not have like <laughs> oh important meetings. So I feel like every time I'm just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not dressed I, for the occasion. But I think I've, I every time I've seen you, you've been wearing that hat and that sweatshirt. These just this is saying. my favorite. This is my favorite getup. Yeah. Um, and, although I did know on your wrist that you do have a Fitbit. So yes, that's new. yeah, that is new. Um, yeah, I think it's only been. Maybe not even a month, just a couple of weeks, but um, just got the, the Fitbit Flex and I've uh, been trying to up my steps. I realized like, I only take like 4,000 steps a day. I thought it would be way more. Like, I think you said that too, and you the thing that you use, like, like you walk to and from work and a lot, and it's like, it's still not even quite there for like the step goal. And just like, I'll usually walk from my building to the other one that's pretty close by. And I was like, man, I really thought that was more steps. Like I thought I got you know, more in. So now like deliberately try and like, okay, let me just like take a walk to take a walk. And, um, it's yeah, funny it's actually the, the number. So the number that people say is 10,000, like that's how many steps you're supposed to get to maintain your weight, assuming you're eating healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did some research on it, which I feel like is for all things is that once we dig into it, there's actually not a lot of validation as to why 10,000 is the number. It was a marketing campaign done, uh, I believe, overseas by some foreign country. Mm-hmm. That was a it was just a marketing campaign that was um, it was just a nice number. And so they just said 10,000 sounds like it's a stretch because they found out most people walk on average around 4,000, 5,000 steps mm-hmm. a day on average. So like, let's make it 10,000 because that's a strenuous enough. And that just became the number. And now it's just like, it's a, it's a thing. Everyone's like, I got to do 10,000 steps. You know, it's like, hey, do you really? I don't know. Yeah. But I, cer- I certainly aim, I, I aim for seven to 10,000 a day. And there's certainly days when I've, I've been short and I just took an extra walk around the block before I walked home. It was funny. Yeah. Because um, I think that's the same thing with water, like drinking as uh, like the eight cups of water or something. So it's like, like you don't have to drink that much water necessarily, it's just like liquid, anything, you know, just like drink some 
MT or whatever. And because um, I think I did hear too that like that much water is like not everyone needs to drink that much. That is just like a a figure that gets thrown around and then just people kind of accept it sort of thing. Um, I guess as long as you're not drinking like eight cups of soda a day or something. But right, um, because yeah. in 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 the food we eat, there's a ton of water, and right. we're ignoring right. that too. So it's it's just these funny things. I feel like there's so many of those. And my brother is one of these people that loves to to tell people that they're wrong about their beliefs. And, uh, in, in, at first, you know, it was like, it was frustrating. Cause like everything I believed, in, I was like, well, everything's wrong. And, and he would pull up the, the, the history of it. I'm like, Oh, okay. 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 And sometimes he's been wrong. And so I'm like, ha, you were wrong. But most of the time I'm just like, it, I just assume if I assume if I assume something that it's probably wrong. <laughs> yeah. Cause it is just like one level of interrogation. Just like, well, why that number? Or like, why that amount of anything? It's like, I don't know. I just assumed it. Yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah, it's probably not like a thing that it's supposed to do. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's funny. funny. Yeah. Uh, another thing that, uh, since the last time that you can't see, because it's not even there anymore, wisdom teeth got removed three out of four. Uh, that was like last Fridays. So it's not even been a week is the time of this recording, but um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun experience. <laughs> um, actually there's, there's three yeah. things. There's three things for you. There's, there's engagement. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Holy smokes. That's awesome. <laughs> Burying a lead a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so uh, the two questions people probably ask that are, um, when's the date and where's the ring? Like it's usually what happened to me over and over again. Yep. Yep. Uh, um, have you set a date yet? Uh, we're, I guess it depends on a couple things. Uh, I think most realistically we're thinking, uh, summer 2018, just for like plenty of time to prepare, plenty of time to save up money, um, and not feeling like it's rushed to be able to have the, the sort of wedding that we want. Um, depending on how things work out, it could be sooner, but, um, that seems like the most realistic things we're thinking, uh, the, the zoomed focus is like somewhere in Jersey. Like we met at Rutgers uh, in New Jersey and a lot of our friends and her family are there and uh, it was a little more central for people to get to. So um, that's as far as we've gotten uh, so far. Cause again, uh, which is, it is like a lot of things happening within like a, a short period of time. Cause that, that happened as of the time of this recording, not even a month ago. So like, we're kind of starting to think about all those things and starting to get like quotes for places. And uh, people are being very helpful with like ideas and uh, tips and stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing, so obviously the, the wisdom teeth yes, and, yes. and you're looking good. It's good. I still have mine. I just, every time the dentist says to me, he, he, he keeps saying, well, you know, eventually they're going to have to take them out. And the later you wait, the worse it'll get. So, um, but I'm holding out that I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's just like, yeah, it's like you're kind of just gambling. We're just like, oh, come on. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> I'm uh, brushing them extra hard in the back. To yeah. Because sure, that's what they said. They, they'll usually they're, they're, they get eroded because uh, the plaque builds up back there because people don't reach back with their toothbrush and whatnot. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, then the final thing is the hundredth episode of this podcast. Yes. Uh, wow. <laughs> I can't believe that. That to me is kind of amazing because that alone is like the fact that that existed, uh, that this podcast has been around for this long is amazing to me. Yeah. It's getting to be pretty, pretty solid now. Um, cause then we, uh, this will be uh one-on-one and we recorded a hundred, uh, the hundredth episode, uh, a little while ago. And I did it like just for like sort of the 
specialness of it, I guess. Uh, I recorded it like right on like the two year anniversary when we released the first episode. So it sort of was like on my mind of like reflecting back and um, all that. So I encourage people to definitely check out the the hundredth episode. It was a it was a good one. I had my partner now fiance interview me about like how we got to be where we are now and uh, the things that we've learned and some of the like behind the scenes stuff of the. Uh, the podcast of just like making it and sort of funny stories and stuff. So um, love it. Yeah. Two years, hundred episodes. It's uh, yeah. It feels good. I feel like I feel very accomplished, feel satisfied. I feel fulfilled. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Hey, before we, before we dig in any further, I just want to give a quick um, asterisk to a fact I gave earlier about the 10,000 steps. Cause I, I did a quick search. It's uh, it came from the 1960s in Japan. There was a company trying to sell pedometers and I'm totally going to botch the name, but it was Manpo Kiai is the, is the name mm. of the pedometer and they needed a marketing uh, just slogan around it. So they came up with the 10,000 steps meter and that just became a thing coming out of Japan in the 60s. And here we are today. Everyone's like, have you walked 10,000 steps? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, they should like they should have like copyrighted that or so. I don't know. Like, is it that like that's like a thankless thing like that the they came up with song? Yeah. Like they get royalties <laughs> on that. It's like thankless. Um, well, and just on like research, so, so to speak, I don't know how I stumbled across it. Um, but on the wisdom teeth thing, it is a thing that like dentists, they will be, like because a lot of my uh, RAs, like my students, uh, none of them are over 20 years old and uh, they pretty much all have had them taken out, like maybe all the wisdom teeth. And it's just a thing that dentists will be like, like, we'll just take them out just in case. And like, yeah. it is like, and I guess it's, it's a balance of like, if you get them out too early or too late, it's both kind of difficult. So like, it wasn't too bad for me just for people like to know. Um, I even did it, which I, I don't even know if we want to get into it. I, I'll just like cliff notes it. Did it without anesthesia. They numbed me up. I was what? awake the whole time. I just put headphones in, closed my eyes, and did it. And I was talking what? to somebody, and they're just like, "You're like a like." This sounds like a humble brag, but like you're like pretty badass. Like I could not have done that. I was like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. That bad. It was like thirty minutes, and it took like three out of the four out. And um, yeah, I just like put my music on pretty loud and closed my eyes, and because um, my like two of the ones they took out were already like erupted, so it was just like, okay, we'll just like pop those out. And one of them was like not really bothering anything and they just like took that out and stuff but um yeah it was just for like the convenience of like scheduling and it was cheaper and um they kind of i guess sort of like coaxed me into it because they're like it's not that bad you could just like do it without anesthesia and um, it'll be fine and that has been fine it was not very painful and it was quick and i am currently recovering so um my uh my my dad uh has has parkinson's and he had deep brain stimulation surgery which if anyone's in the parkinson's world and you're asking you want to know what it's like happy to share the story around that because uh it's it's a whole process but he did it and what they do is they basically they open up your brain or your scalp and then start poking at your brain wow his his brain and because the brain doesn't have any nerves there's no anesthesia involved there's no he's he's awake the entire time what which is (laughs) yeah which is just like the freakiest thing to think about because they, they numb the skull right here, or the, the skin right here. But then as soon as they get to the skull, it's just like he heard the drill just going. Brrr, and then they're poking around at his brain and he's wide awake. Yeah. 
wild. Yeah, I mean, as quote unquote badass as it was, you know, getting the you know wisdom teeth out without uh, anesthesia. It's like I don't think I could do that. I don't know. If, like yeah, like <laughs> knowing that they were doing that, I would just be like, there there'd be yeah. no music or podcast in the world that would distract me enough to be like, oh yeah, they're just doing their thing. And you know, like just poking at your brain. Don't yep. mind me. Um, the doctor said that one guy actually requested to just have a guitar and he's, he was strumming the guitar while they're poking at his brain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yes, wild. Something to take your attention off, but. Yeah. Um, but if, but if anyone has uh, Parkinson's in their family and they want to know about deep brain stimulation, um, happy to share the story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we kind of quickly cut people up on random <laughs> things in our lives here. Um, and, and I guess if people want to know the proposal story, I, I guess I haven't, I haven't really talked about it, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. Um, so it's pretty simple, but we'll, we'll save it for another time for the sake of getting into the stuff uh, that we want to talk about. But um, so we want to talk about uh, upcoming book, uh, the thing that we've kind of been talking about for a couple weeks now. Um, and I guess, yeah, I mean, we've had like the messages for the podcast or on this podcast for the book uh, for the past several episodes. But um, in case people didn't listen and just give kind of like a cliff notes version of what this book is, what, where the idea came from. And um, I don't know, I guess just like how long it's been kind of gestating and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, there's, there's good news and bad news in, in where we're at in the process. And the book itself is called uh, first year student to first year success, 21 tips they didn't tell you at orientation. And it, and it came about because um, we're just having connected with so many students across the country, um, especially at orientation or, or throughout the rest of their time at college. There, there's some things there's some things that like every school talks about and they make sure you, you the, the, the things you should do. You should do this. You should do this. You should do this. And there's a list. And at orientation, the talking heads talk about it. They hear it over and over again. And then they get to college and then there's a whole bunch of things that they learn um, in college that maybe weren't discussed all the extra stuff that that is learned and so mm -hmm. what we tried to do and there's a thousand tips out there but what we tried to do is condense it down to 21 that we felt like were were some of the most important and so we put it in this book and we've been since that like the germination of the idea we've been collecting stories collecting data collecting quotes uh uh around each tip so that we can compile it into not just a book that you read that the student would like read straight through, but they would actually reflect on. So it's almost, it has a little bit of a feel of like a workbook to it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a combination. It's like a workbook slash uh, travel guide slash just book. And so there's stories in there, there's activities, and then there's some visuals and some stats and some data backing up what we're talking about. And that, uh, that was, that's the idea. And our intent was to launch it by next week. And that's the, that was the good news, was is the key word there, because that's not happening. Uh, books are easy uh, to write until life gets in the way. Uh, and what we've discovered is that if we could sit down for the entire workday and just focus on this book, we would be able to crank through it much faster. But the reality is, everything else is building up on top of while we're trying to do this book project. And so, uh, what's turned into being able to work on it for four hours really is an hour and really maybe one hour is a half an hour or I'm out of town. And so it's just not as good a brainstorm over Skype as it would be in person with a big whiteboard. Uh, that's, that's one part of the reason why I got delayed. And then the other part is that, 
um, our brains just needed breaks. We would try to go for like marathon sessions with the book for four hours and our brains just shut down at one point. They're mm. like, I can't talk anymore. And so we finally got to a spot that said, we just need to space it out. And, and knowing that we're, we're in Melissa, Sabina and myself are the main writers for it. And knowing that we are uh, holding each other accountable for keeping on track with the project, we feel good. so knowing that we're keeping each other on track, we're okay with the fact that the book's coming together at the pace that it needs to come together at to make it the best book possible to launch it to the world. Yeah. And you don't like rush it either of just like, oh, we got to meet this deadline. So sort of like compromise quality or just, you know, like cut something out or something. It's like, you know, what you want to create, you know, what, like what you want to put out into the world. And like that might take a little bit more time. Uh, well, I, I'll say that. So it's interesting because I used to be in the software world and the software world says, uh, don't move a deadline, move the specs. Mm -hmm. Meaning if we decide to lock it in as December 9th is the date we're going to go live with the next version of the software, instead of moving that to a later date, reduce how much you're going to put into the next version of the software. And because the, the, the deadline, once a deadline starts to become flexible, then anyone thinks it's flexible. And I've tried to keep that in, in mind with this, and I'm trying my best, but the reality is it's just like, I don't know, I think we overshot with the deadline in the first place, is my opinion. Hmm. Well, I guess just talk about, because um, I mean, you're, like you've done so much in like your career of just like starting things and creating things. And I'm just curious mate, with this and like the other things that you've done, like, I guess just talk through more of that process because I think some people, when they're trying to do something, they'll get frustrated with a moment like this of just like, oh, it's not coming together right or like there's, you know, kind of hurdles and they'll just give up. I guess like talk through like some of that stuff because I think, you know, the the frustrations of like this kind of long process and creating something and um, going through like when you have a, when you kind of hit a wall, some people will give up. But like what, what sort of is pushing you through even though like it's not coming together exactly how you envision it in the first place? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I think that, uh, it happens in anything where we're going to hit a wall and then the decision to move forward or not is, is, is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And for uh, anytime I've gotten to this spot, what I've discovered that really helps is having, having accountability people around me. And in this case, it's Sabina and Melissa who they don't, it may, it, and similar to a workout buddy, it's similar, you know, like I'm going to the gym every day. And I remember back in high school, I used to have my gym friend and we would go every day and there would be days when he was tired and I'd be like, no, 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 let's go and do it. And then there are days I was tired and, and he would be like, no, 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 let's go and do it. And here similarly is that Sabina, between the three of us, at least one of us is going to be motivated that day to make sure we get whatever needs to be done that day done. And just the accountability, and I, I, I say to myself, if I can't commit to myself to get it done, and I don't trust myself to get it done, let me be accountable to someone else because I'm not going to let someone else down. And most humans are that way, where we're, we're less accountable to ourselves than we are to someone else. So if, if you are someone in that situation, make a commitment to someone else and, and then let them, even if they don't do anything, just commit to going back to that person and saying done or not done. Yeah. Yeah. I that's good advice. I, I have a friend who, uh, he, he, so he runs uh, his own consulting company and, 
And in the beginning part, I don't know if he does it anymore, but in the beginning part, he used to pay someone, this woman, to call him up in the morning, ask him what he was going to work on, and then call him up at the end of the day and ask him if he completed what he was going to work on. That's it. Mm-hmm. He paid her to do just that. Like That's how important that accountability partner was to him in his world. And he says it was worth every dollar that he paid her. I don't know how much he paid her, but worth every dollar. So, Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, like you said, it like uh, translates to so many other things of just having like accountability buddies for, uh, you know, accomplishing goals. So it's definitely uh, good advice for whatever people might be working on. Um, and I guess, I mean, we've, uh, for like the Student Affairs Collective, we've uh, created a bunch of books about like blog series that we've done. And uh, I know you've had like a hand in those uh, as well. And just getting all of those out and this one out, I don't know if it's been like a different process, but what, like, what are some of the things that you've learned just by like self-publishing books? Because um, like, I've looked into it as well. Like in theory, it is it is pretty like easy to do. Like you can just put whatever you want out there. Um, you know, they're not, there's not like quality control. It's just like, yeah, if you want to like put it on, you know, uh, Kindle or something or whatever, it's it, you can just do that. There's not like a kind of a gatekeeper for that. But I guess just any like tips through like making all of those books happen, putting them all out there. Um, what are some, some lessons that you've learned, I guess, about self-publishing books? Yeah, there's, there's eight student affairs collective books that are now out in the wild, living, breathing, uh, functioning books. And uh, it's, 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 it's kind of surreal to go to Amazon and type my name in and see these books there. <laughs> And, and there's, there's two types of books. This is a, the, the student affairs collective books are certainly a collaborative book. Um, meaning I'm only a tiny piece of a huge project. And then the other side of it is this, the first year success book. I'm a much bigger piece of it. And there's a lot more, uh, content that I have to write myself. And so then that just takes longer to write myself. Uh, I remember there was a, uh, there was a 60 minute segment and, and oh, I'm going to forget the author, but he's one of those like war authors that just mm-hmm. cranks out books, you know, and it's like every week there's a new book and they went in and like, what's your process? And he walked in and, and I remember when I wrote, when, when I wanted to write my first book, I, I had this, this idea that it was, I had to go disappear to a cabin in the woods for an entire, entire year, drink tea mm-hmm. and only write. And, 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 and like talk to the birds and come back and write more, you know, like that's what I thought book writing was. And then I thought once I'm done with it, I put out to the world and then the world will just appreciate the genius that came in that book. Uh, (laughs) I've come way back since then because that 60 minute segment opened my eye, my eyes to this idea that, uh, book there are solo writers out there but then there's team writers and this guy what he has is he has a team of writers or team a team that produces every book and he shows he shows the process once i switched my mental framework from thinking that this was a a a, um, a, a solo sport to a team sport it completely shifted my my anxiety around getting books out and getting my message to the world and so even to the point where, so I have, I have some pretty big ideas in my head, but even to the point where I would even go and just talk my ideas out with someone and let them do the typing part of it mm-hmm. because I'm finding, or because I'm finding it's really hard for me to find time in the day to sit down and type. But most people would probably balk at that idea and they'd be like, Oh, that's not your book then. 
that's fine. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll do a sub co-authorship of that book. I don't, that doesn't bother me. Um, I'm happy to put multiple names on the cover to be able to, to boast egos wherever they need to be boasted. As long as, as long as the ideas that are in my head get out to the world, um, instead of just sitting in my head. Yeah. And so, so that, that's one part of it. Okay. So I want to get to the marketing though, because I feel like self-publishing it's like you said, it's so easy just to put any book out there. Uh, it is, it, 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 once we, once I did it once, I was like, Oh, that's it. <laughs> and, and now it's out there. Now there's a Kindle, a PDF and a, um, and a, a print version. But the, the marketing side of it, the thing is, is that, uh, like I said earlier, I write the book and I put it out to the world and the world's just going to celebrate it. That's just not true. It's just not mm -hmm. true. People don't, I don't want to say people don't care. People don't know. Yeah. And, and so then the real part of book publishing, and this is where I think the, the difference between being an artist who writes the book and the, and the marketer or the business person who, who publishes and distributes the book, uh, both skills are needed to make it successful. And so what we do for as much time as we spend crafting each book, we spend equal, if not more time developing the marketing strategy before the book is launched, the day the book is launched, and then afterwards after the book is launched. Because that's what's really gotten to the spot where people are just aware that the book exists. Yeah, yeah, because there's just so much noise. So it's like it's hard to know, you know, what's going on with all the things out there that we, you know, follow or subscribe to and stuff. So yeah, it's important to uh, get the word out. Cause yeah, I think a lot of people who are interested by you no know, fault of their own, just don't know that like, you know, a new piece of content that they can consume is out, uh, you know, by the thing that they care about. So like if it's a blog post or a podcast or a book or whatever, it's just like, uh, yeah, just making sure you have a clear idea of how you're going to get the word out about something. is really important. Yeah. And, and I, I think, so I was just looking, uh, uh, Amazon has roughly about 1.8 million titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of books, it's a lot of books. That's a massive amount of noise. And so, it's not, it's one thing to write great content. And then the second step after writing that great content is to actually produce a marketing strategy around it that allows you to reach the most number of people and break through the noise. And, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. And sometimes I think, uh, something that I've thought about too, and like it, it comes up for me, like with the podcast is like, determining success for yourself too. Cause I know like we have kind of our niche yeah. audience. So it's like, cause that somebody gave me that advice when I was thinking about like, Oh, let me like, cause I, you know, created a small book for my blog, um, about just like the stuff I put out for hire a geek. And, um, they're like, yeah, don't expect to like, you know, be a millionaire yeah. overnight with your <laughs> book. Like it's just, it's a good thing to create, to have something sort of like portable that you can like give out. Like if people, you know, sign up for a newsletter it can be like, okay, and here's this like free sample book or something, you know, like a, here's what you're kind of in store for. Um, it just helps to have something like that to kind of, um, give out or sell or whatever and just determining success for yourself. Like, um, I think that's important too, but, um, I think, I think most people, uh, I, I don't know the stat on this specifically, but people don't make money on books. Books aren't, aren't meant to, to make money. There's only a small percentage of book producers that actually make money and make money. There's, there's some people that make like 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks or hundred bucks a month. And that's not making, I mean, it's some money, right? It's, it's nice, but it's not the same as someone who's, I know one author, um, who's, who's making, uh, he's selling 10,000 copies of his self-published book a month. And that's a minimum. 
Mm-hmm. So like in, in December, he sold 40,000 and, and it's self-published. So he's probably selling it around 12 to $15 each and gives Amazon uh, $5 or $4 of that. So he's, he, I mean, he's living off this book and that's such a rare, rare, rare case that we have to set our expectations of what our goal is for each book. Yeah. The whole idea of like going viral or something. It's like, there's a reason why like not everything and everyone goes quote unquote viral, you know, like it's not, uh, it's sometimes just like, it's such like a special, like almost like accidental success sort of thing of just like, they hit this like very, you know, small bullseye at like exactly the right time. And they just happen to get a lot of success. And then I think it's some people sort of squander it. Some people really like maximize it and kind of coast off that for a while. And it's, it really is up to them whether uh, they do one, one of those or the other, like of how they kind of handle uh, the attention that they get. But um, the, yeah. the, uh, the author's hangout, uh, the author hangout is a great podcast for people to listen to hmm. the yeah. author hangout. And I know Dustin, I, I, I want to, um, I said the marketing stuff, but I feel like there's people who, who I, I didn't give specifics and, and I feel like people are, I, I always hate when I get to podcasts and it's like they over they give you the hype and then they're like, well, what do I how do I what do I do? So I want to give some very specifics as to what we do um, to be able to build the momentum. Mm-hmm. So so starting uh, let's just let's call it six weeks before the book goes out. Um, we work with the community to come up with a title, meaning we do a poll. Then from that poll, uh, we finalize it. We choose the title. We let the community know, hey, this is the title we're going with for the poll. Then we have our, our designer create a, a page for it or a cover for it. That cover then we'll share on social media. And this is maybe five or four weeks out from the book going live. And so then people are seeing the cover now. Um, they're seeing a visual of it. They're feeling like they're vested in it because they had a part in voting for the title. Um, they were Now they're seeing the cover. It's live. Then as we build the book, and these are specifically for the SAC books, the Student Affairs Collective books, we'll start sharing tweets, uh, or sorry, quotes from the book and mm-hmm. start either as an image or as text. Um, and then we'll start sharing those out. We'll also, with our, with our first year success book, we're sharing the behind the scenes process here in the podcast. We've been sharing it, but then also uh, on, on social media and our newsletter, we're taking pictures of when we're like in the nitty gritty of, of compiling the book, we're sharing it. Uh, we're showing people the process so that, and the whole goal here is build momentum, keep reminding them that the book exists or is about to be launched and then, um, and, and then make them feel like they're part of the process. And so that they're vested in the success of this book. Yeah. And like the anticipation's good too. And it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The anticipation. So then the day of comes and we have the newsletter, we have social media. Uh, and what we're doing there is we give coupons to a variety of different people. And the coupons have a time stamp to them of 24 hours. Uh, most people... Uh, just don't buy without a reminder or a a time pressure cooker attached to it. So we're giving them some money off if they buy within this certain period of time. So then they go and they do that. um, And then we send a reminder the next morning, Hey, there's 12 hours left in case you're, you want to get the $2 off. And, and it's interesting to watch how many more people buy on that second email that goes out or that tweet versus the first one, because people, there's just so much noise in the world 
that people are like, they may be on the first email, they're like, oh yeah, I want to do that. But then the second one, they just forget. Mm-hmm. And so then we get the book out. Um, it, we got the pressure cooker, the coupon. We're getting momentum. We get as many people as possible to do uh, Amazon reviews because that helps rank higher than on Amazon if we have reviews um, from the authors and whatnot. Uh, and then as the book continues to be successful, we, we share the success. We say, ah, oh, we just sold uh, the 100th copy or uh, it just hit number one, which happened for our book, uh, which did just happen for our book um, that, that just launched on assessment in student affairs, that it was the uh, number one book release in college and student life. So those kind of things, um, that builds again, that the mom- it, it now it, it makes them feel like they're a part of it and they get to celebrate in the success of it. And they probably then go and tell their friend. And that process there is like, that's a quick overview of how we launch a book from the marketing side of it, not the production side of it, which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, the bandwagon thing like you're mentioning. Cause I think part of the like, like, Oh, we yeah. just like sold this many copies or hit this, you know, milestone of like number one bestseller. But it was like, everybody else is reading it. Like, are you, you know, like everybody else is kind of like checking this thing out. Like you should probably check it out too. Like, I think that's helpful. And yeah, just like, um, cause I think then just, I know what we, uh, do well is like, like you said, like getting the community in and just getting like stakeholders in too. So like you said, the people who uh, contribute and like the editors and if you have people who illustrate, like, like really like kind of, I don't know, just getting them to buy in, like you said, like leaving reviews and those sort of things. Like the, those are the people that I think are going to build the foundation for like the continued success and the future success of uh, something that you put out there of not, uh, and I kind of like ignoring them or just sort of like not maximizing that potential of the people who are, are sort of, already bought in or kind of like your cheerleaders, like they already kind of support you. So it's like, Hey, can you help us out by leaving a review or can you share this out? Or, um, you know, I'd really appreciate you checking this out or giving them like a discount or giving them like a promo copy and, um, doing those sort of things I think do, uh, uh help out as well. Like the people who are, you know, big fans, you know, like uh, sort of utilizing them in a really, uh, almost kind of strategic way, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally agree. And and I think that it starts from a spot of um, equal parts head and heart in the production of a book. How about that? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. I think I guess you're saying where it's just like, because yeah, some people, and, it, and this is like a thing that people struggle with too, I think of like feeling like they're quote unquote selling out or something like they would want to just like, I'm just going to give my art out, you know, for free into the world. And they don't even care about any of the marketing. They don't care about anything about like, you know, getting it to people or, you know, um, I think getting properly compensated for their effort, like that they've put into this thing that they've created. Um, so yeah, it's like, that's okay. That's okay. It just don't come back to the world and complain about being a starving artist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause that is like determining success for yourself. It's just like, no, I just want this to exist and I don't care about anything else that I I can be. Yeah. But you can't complain if (laughs) like, you know, you don't, uh, make any money off of it or something. Yeah. A friend of mine, an old friend of mine, uh, he, he used to say, he's like the difference between me and an artist. So he's an entrepreneur. He said the difference between me and an artist is, is, um, I, we both put our, our art out to the world, but if people don't buy mine, I don't have a business. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And, um, it's just like a different, different mindset. I think it's kind of like the head and the heart. Like you have to be logical and emotional kind of with the, um, the creation of like the content and getting it out and um yeah so it's, this, is, this is all good stuff this is good advice it's good uh because uh, i think it is something that people 
think about doing a lot. I think, you know, a lot of the people who are bloggers and uh, have a lot of great content already, it's certainly something that could be uh, valuable for them to look into. Um, let's see. Anything else, I guess, about this, uh, the process of this book, all the books, and just anything uh, kind of looking ahead? Uh, certainly people can stay tuned for uh, the release of this uh, first-year student to first-year success book. It will be soon. This uh, episode will go out. A uh, couple days from when we're recording, about like a week from when we're recording it. I would think shortly thereafter, uh, people can anticipate the book coming out. But anything else, I guess, that's on your mind? Yeah, I, I give a date. And, and dare I give this date <laughs> that this book is going to go live is May 3rd. Okay. That's the intent right now. That's the, that's the deadline. And uh, I don't want to move that. So May 3rd, everyone. All right. Very cool. I'm tattooing it on my shoulder as we speak. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but I mean, I mean it's your life. Uh, it's your body. Um, I have a friend who's got a uh, New York Times bestseller tattooed on his chest, but it's backwards. So every time he looks in the mirror, he sees it. And it's like a goal of his was to, is to be a New York Times bestseller. So. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, geez. Um. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't hit it yet, but he's got hopes. Yeah. I mean, he's... I'm sure he has plenty of time. He's got like his whole life to like fulfill, you know, kind of uh, make that tattoo uh, make he's sense. In but, he's in his fifties. Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess in, in the meantime, uh, from when this episode goes out and when uh, the podcast or the book will uh, go live there, like we were talking about, there's plenty of other uh, student, student affairs collective books in the bookstore that you can check out uh, whatever format you choose. So we definitely encourage folks to check those out. Um, but yeah, we will look forward to, uh, this book, first year student to first year success coming out soon. And, uh, yeah, it was good to catch up and we'll link to the stuff like that, uh, uh, that author hangout podcast and just some of the other, like the Kindle publishing, like if people just want to look into some of that stuff, we'll link to some of that stuff as well. And, um, yeah, to the books so people can check those out as well. But, um, yeah. Uh, Dustin, one thing I am going to do is uh, by the time this airs, uh, there will be a landing page. that will give more description of that first year success book. Sure. And uh, if we could put a link in the show notes. So if anyone has orientations coming up and they want to pre-order uh, copies, uh, we're actually giving some bonuses away for pre-ordering copies uh, that will be um, a combination of different things, whether it's a whether it's a, 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 a extra books for free or um, free swag from us or discounts on future stuff or even uh, for some schools that, that order enough for the orientation we said we'll even come out and do a program at orientation and so um, you know, they, lots of different opportunities for people who are interested in pre-ordering mm, cool yeah we'll definitely uh, link out to that uh, landing page and um, yeah that all sounds like very cool stuff and we got very cool advice here and um, appreciate you as always, Tom, for, uh, making the time for this and sharing your experience and wisdom. And, uh, just so I can tell you specifically, uh, cause I thanked you in the hundredth episode for giving me this opportunity, but I will thank you on this podcast recorded for posterity that I appreciate you. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be a part of this, uh, podcast. And I've gained so much from it and it's, it's, like I've just gotten stuff from the conversations and it's also fulfilling knowing that other people are getting stuff from the conversations as well. So thank you, Tom. I, I greatly appreciate your uh, kind of just giving me this chance and this opportunity. That's so cool to hear. And, and um, I, I give thanks back to you because you're the, you're just the, you're the perfect voice for this community 
uh, to be able to share uh, the the message of what every what peers are doing. And so it's been fun to watch it evolve over the past hundred episodes. And you've been doing a great job at building up what it is that exists here in this podcast. Uh, and so uh, I'm excited to see what the next hundred episodes entail. Yeah, that'd be exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, and I thank you for saying that. And uh, yeah, just once again, thank you for uh, hanging out with me. It's always good to catch up. So um, yeah, I'll talk to you later, Tom. Live long and prosper. Yes. <laughs> All right. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.